Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high-paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Next Level Nutrition Biz podcast. I have my friend, uh, Brandy McKenzie, here today to talk about how to nourish yourself as an entrepreneur. Now, I'm sure we can all agree that this is a really important topic, and Brandy is the perfect person to come on to address this. So let me tell you a little bit about Brandy. Brandy is a nourishment coach who helps women who are doing everything perfectly, yet secretly feel unfulfilled. With her proven nourishment framework, she has helped clients feel less stuck and overwhelmed by their life's to-dos and create more enjoyment in every area of their lives. She believes you need to stop consuming the personal development junk food and instead take your power back by finding what truly nourishes you. Because it's not about the perfect diet, body, or schedule, but rather about finding a personalized system that actually works for you and allows your life to feel good. Now, you might remember Brandy. She was on the podcast in early days, episode 12, Setting Boundaries with Your Clients, which is a fantastic episode you're going to have to go and listen to after this one. But in the meantime, I'm so excited to have her here again to talk about how to nourish yourself as an entrepreneur. So thanks for being here, Brandy. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yes, you are, like I said, the right one to come on to talk about this because I know um, in your own life, you practice what you preach and I'm sure it's been, you know, a journey to get yourself to this place. So why don't we just start there? Why don't you tell everyone, like, how did you kind of become this more nourishment coach style of coaching and, and create your nourishment framework? How did that journey happen? Yes, absolutely. Um, Definitely a journey. Perfect word. (laughs) So in my early days of running a business, which I think has been 12 uh, or so years at this point, maybe longer, I was a yoga instructor and then I was a nutritionist and a personal chef. And I really, you know, worked with the value of a, of a holistic lifestyle and holistic lifestyle plans. Um, so, you know, I talk about this thing in the, in the intro that you mentioned there, which is personal development junk food. And I think it's important to address that initially because I find that the personal development junk food is like most of us that come to do holistic work like this, you know, the people that are listening, both you and I, we start because we want some sort of growth, some sort of inner growth or self-improvement. And so we just start trying all these things. And those things can be really valuable for, for some Uh, for some time, but ultimately they sort of fall flat or we plateau or they just don't go deep enough. So I want to start by saying that because, you know, when I was a yoga instructor, when I was a personal chef and a nutritionist, I was giving out that quote unquote um, personal development junk food to people. It's, it, it had its value. But what happened is that then I was diagnosed with a debilitating digestive disorder I contracted three really threatening viruses and was experiencing symptoms of a brain injury all at one time. So there was a lot going on. And I started following the product, the protocols that I knew, the things that I would give my clients, and it, it just wasn't working for me. So even with practitioners, uh, doctors, meal plans, supplements, yoga, and journaling, all the stuff that I had been, you know, prescribing my clients, so to speak, they weren't enough for me. So there was this big aha moment and this deep realization that, you know, if none of this stuff was working for me, there had to be more. And I was forced to get really clear on what I needed really before it was too late because I was in a really bad place. And that led me to create my own system, 
which really addressed the root of why I wasn't improving, even though I was doing all of those plans perfectly. Mm -hmm. And I really had to discover what was most nourishing for me. And that was, you know, that was not an outside answer. Mm, Yeah. And I think what you're saying is um, what I see a lot of you know, holistic nutritionists or health and wellness pros coming to this realization sometimes like, you know, it's just not, it's not just nutrition. It's not just mindset. It's not just the fitness portion. You know, um, there's something deeper there, right? But we don't learn a lot of the deeper stuff in school for a lot of us. We just learn those, you know, a little bit about nutrition, a little bit about lifestyle. Um, and then we get to this place with our clients or ourselves even where we're like, okay, but what's that deeper layer? So, um, is what you're saying, like, that was that was the real journey was like, okay, let's get to that deeper layer. And what does this look like? Yes, absolutely. And I want to just be clear, you know, that meal plans can be really effective and really awesome, for instance, and different systems and structures that we give our clients can be really helpful, but they don't necessarily like you said, go to that deeper place or tie all of the pieces together, connect the dots. And so for me, it was like, okay, well, I have all these books and I've tried all these, you know, all these outlines and I've downloaded all these things, but like none of that stuff's working. So what's missing here? Because, you know, um, I, you know, this as, as a friend and colleague, I have very much, um, leaned into my perfectionist tendencies. That was something that really drove me for a long time. And I find that a lot of people that come into this world of healing, we have those same kind of tendencies, especially if we're business owners, right? Which is who your audience is. We want to push, we want to drive ourselves. We want to do everything to the teeth. And when that's not working, it's like, well, then what, you know, then what do we do? And so the, the, the gap really, I find is that we keep going to these outside sources when we need to spend a little more time with our inside source. Mm, Yes, I love how you said that. And you know, this, this really rings off a bell for me or rings, I mean, true for me personally, you know, um, obviously, over the years of being an entrepreneur, I've maybe cultivated Um, different aspects of nourishing myself versus just through my business. But um, that wasn't always the case. I know for a lot of the, you know, beginning years, let's say even the first four years of my business, a lot of my worth came from my business and only my business. And, and, you know, sometimes I find myself there, but I, I really have recognized that and try to push myself beyond seeing that as like the, the merit is like, okay, my business is doing well, meaning I'm doing well. But the reason I bring this up is I see so many new entrepreneurs measuring their self and their success through their business's success. And sometimes at the beginning, the business isn't super successful. So we get this like huge, you know, excitement to launch or excitement to do something new. And then this huge crash when it doesn't come. Um, can you speak on that a little bit? Okay. So this is so, um, such a mirror I find in both the entrepreneurial world and how we care for ourselves as individual beings. So I feel like it's time at this moment, actually, Stephanie, to break down my framework a little bit, because I think it will give you a little bit more context to how I see this. Is that fine? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So um, you mentioned at the intro that I have a nourishment framework and that framework is something that has, I've been using since day one in my business, but it's developed over the years um, into, you know, different layers and deeper. What's the word I want to use? Just going deeper with clients because I've seen that these are the, the areas that people need the most support in. So this framework has five parts and I call them the, the pillars of nourishment. And those pillars of nourishment include the body, the brain, the emotions, the energy, and the intuition. Now, without over-explaining those for the moment, I think you get a sense of, of what each one is. But what can tend to happen with what you mentioned specifically is that it's like we get tied up in the emotions of our business, Right. So you mentioned that idea that, you know, we we work really hard and we do a launch and it doesn't go the way we want. And so we feel really emotional about it. And, 
perhaps even really reactive about it, instead of pausing and looking at the other facets of business and saying, okay, well, what does our data say about this? What do the client reactions say about this? What do the email unsubscribes say about this? What do the clicks say about this? And so using that as an example, there are so many facets that we need to look at to keep a balanced mindset, a balanced, um, just a balanced system and foundation in place for our businesses. And the exact same thing is true for ourselves as individual humans as well. Yeah. So I guess to really break it down, what you're saying is, you know, if we're putting our eggs in one basket um, versus multiple baskets, you know, um, and some of those eggs crack. I don't know why I'm going on this analogy. <laughs> Let's go with it. Um, so those eggs crack and then we're, we fall apart versus having these different baskets or these different, you know, pillars, like you said, of building ourselves in so many different ways. So when something happens in the business, we don't crumble or we're not so emotional. We have these other um, areas that are they're supporting us. But kind of what I hear you saying is as entrepreneurs, maybe especially when we get started, we're just putting all the eggs in the one basket. And when things don't work out, you know, we don't really have that, that groundedness or that's that stable ground underneath us to keep us, you know, feeling good and moving forward. That's absolutely true. It's like, we need that foundation. And if you think of the literal, you know, um, definition of the word pillars, the pillars hold us up, right? So if one of our pillars is doing all the work, maybe the other pillars are sort of crumbled or, or, you know, whatever it is, we've got to have all those pillars holding us up. And so it's true in business and, and in life for us. And, you know, to, to reiterate what I said before, it often mirrors um, what we what we do or how we react or or the way that we're focusing in our business often mirrors what's happening in our life as well or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I see that in myself as well. But you know, here's something funny um, is what I and you know I did this personally, and I think a lot of people that I work with have mentioned this, and and other people listening can probably relate. Is that you know when we're working with our clients, we can really preach and share this idea of balance and nourishment with all pillars, and really tell them and teach them. But then when it comes to us implementing it on ourselves, we don't often do that. This is exceptionally true. And, you know, I used my personal story um, in sharing that, like, you know, the things that I was giving, I started practicing and they still weren't working. So like, it's okay to a certain sense to, it's okay to have these frameworks and these systems and to talk about them, but we really have to integrate them to know if they're working. Right. Mm -hmm. So like as a nutritionist, especially your new nutritionists, if they have a meal plan that they are working with with their clients and they haven't tried it before, well, how are they going to know if it actually is going to do the thing they want it to do? Mm -hmm. Right. I think we have to be really intentional um, with with walking our talk to a certain degree. And and of course, what's really um, typical in business, holistic business or wellness business, is that we often I mean, tell me if you see this differently, but I think we often really attract who we were, you know, five years ago or three years ago or whatever. So we're, we're often attracting people that were just like us or have tendencies like us or, you know, in my early business, I was a digestive specialist um, with nutrition and that's because I had had my own digestive issues, you know. So we're often attracting people like us and we have to make sure that we're constantly updating our work to know that it's going to be working for our people. We can't just say, oh, well, science says that X, Y, and Z is going to equal your your outcome. We have to really be um, integrative with that process as well. Mm-hmm. Which then brings us back to the whole idea of, you know, nourishing ourselves first so that we can show up and nourish our clients. Because I'm assuming, you know, that kind of age old saying, you know, you can't fill um, or you can't pour from an empty cup. So how can we you know, fill up our client's cup if we are drained and dehydrated ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so true. And, you know, the thing that I also see a lot is that we can feel really ashamed of this because we, as a practitioner, we know a lot, right? And then you're, 
we know a lot, but we're like, oh, I'm not doing it. This is this is what I see so often in my practice over the years. And so you feel like you know a lot and you're giving your clients these different examples of things of what to do, but you're still not doing it. That's the example you used, right? Mm-hmm. So then there's this this other conundrum that happens that you feel like you have to be perfect to show up for your clients as well. And what I think is really important is that we allow ourselves to be a little bit more authentic in the process and to not put so much, you know, perfectionism on ourselves and to really um, just be, you know, be more vulnerable in, in our practice and as who we are, rather than always having to have this facade of, you know, what looks perfect on the outside and instead really feeling what feels good on the inside. And quite frankly, that is, that is the big picture goal of nourishment is worrying less about how things look and more about how they feel. Mm -hmm. And your clients will pick up on that. Like, I think, you know, personally, I'm remembering, you know, my days with working with my nutrition clients and some of the most positive feedbacks were when I shared like, hey, you know, I'm not eating perfectly, or I'll have, you know, chips on the weekend or throughout the week, or I'll do X, Y, Z, and them just feeling this sense of relief, like, oh my gosh, like, thanks for sharing that. Because I was seeing you in this, like, you know, because you're a nutritionist, you do X, Y, Z perfectly. And then they try to, you know, match what we're doing, but that's not reality, right? So I think it's like, well, actually, to kind of segue, I'm curious your thoughts of like being open and vulnerable and sharing with your client, but then also holding a boundary where you are the coach or where you are the practitioner and you um, need to, you know, not just be friends with them. Because I'm sure that will create like a different energetic pull than holding that boundary and also showing up as that practitioner. Sure. I mean, this is, as you mentioned um at the opening, the first episode we did together a couple years ago was focused around boundaries. And so there's a, there's a lot in that episode too, that we talked about, about holding that line with our clients. Um, the, the important thing in my perspective is that you allow yourself to be, to be honest and vulnerable when it's appropriate to share things. Being honest and vulnerable doesn't mean that you have to spill the beans on every detail of what you do or don't do, but it's knowing when the right moment is to share those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and I think, you know, just to, to add one more thing to that, as I mentioned, so often our clients are s- several steps behind us. So it's also saying, you know, when I was in your position and I was just starting to change my diet, these are some of the things that showed up for me. Now I've learned to do this a little bit differently. So it's also sharing that you've been there. I think that's a really big part of the um, connection process with your clients as well. Yeah, but I guess it's also important, like you're saying, you're like, I've been there, but here's what I have been able to do, um, which is like more sharing from the scar, but not the wound, right? You're not like so deep in it that you're like, I don't even know what advice to give you. <laughs> you know, you're still <laughs> exactly. showing up with like, that coach hat or that practitioner hat. But I guess that then brings us back to that whole idea of like, you as the person needing to do the work, you having to have the nourishment beyond the everyday, you know, trudge of building your business and seeing beyond that so that you can bring these new insights and energy into your business to positively affect your clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a saying, and I, I, I don't know who the original person is that says this, but I hear this a lot in the coaching industry or the coaching world, which is, you know, don't share something that you're in the middle of processing. Wait until you're through the process before you reflect on it with your community. And I think that's like what you're saying, rather than being in the wound and sharing something in that moment, you wait till the scar has, you know, till, till it has healed and you have the scar to share from yourself. But it's also true that you have to have that really nice foundation of nourishment for yourself to even be able to look back and say, okay, here are the things that I learned from this. And here's how I can share this in my business and make it a more connective experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So can we actually dig a little bit deeper into each one of the pillars that you have? Because it would be really nice to um, hear more about your process and, you know, have people learn a little bit more about how to actually nourish themselves. Because again, just like I've reiterated a few times, um, you know, only speaking from experience, you know, we can be so deep in the business aspect that we forget to eat our proper meals throughout the day or move our body or, you know, spend time with loved ones. So what could these look like in our everyday life? And also um, maybe like even we could talk about some practical ways they could put these things into action. Sure, absolutely. So the first pillar is body. And I start with that for a number of reasons, but one is because it's the easiest for us to relate with. It's tangible, right? So we know that taking care of our body can include nutrition, diet, you know, food, exercise, sleep, um, supplements, you know, all of those things can support our body. And so from the, the perspective of nourishment, the body is like, is our physical vessel. So, you know, I think that we all know how there, I think we all know the different ways that bodies can be nourished, but the theme that I see throughout my practice is that we are often looking to other experts to tell us how it's done Mm. rather than discovering exactly what we need. Mm. Okay. So that's the big difference here, which I think you've been kind of like alluding to throughout, but we really need to talk about this idea that, you know, it's not the external resource anymore. It's the internal, it's the work that you're doing with yourself without trying to find that, um, what did you call it? Junk food, um, (laughs) personal development, junk food. Yeah. Personal development, junk food. So it's like, okay, let's not look so much externally. Let's turn inward a bit. Exactly. And, you know, just to, I'm going to keep reiterating this as well. Some of the things that I now call personal development junk food can be valuable for a time. I personally, as Brandy, used these in my life previously. I used them in my practice previously. But the growth comes in recognizing that when you have a stack of books on your shelf and they've covered you know, all these different topics, but you're still not using that information. Why aren't you using that information? Or why isn't that meal plan working for you anymore? We have to look at what's deeper. And that comes from knowing ourselves enough, giving ourselves enough time and space to recognize what isn't, isn't working anymore. Yeah. And I think it can get so, um, I don't know if messy is the right word to use, but because the noisy, it can get so noisy Noisy. in the online space because you see, you know, XYZ practitioner doing one thing and then another one doing another. And you're like, oh, is that right? Or is this right? And, you know, it's like we kind of lose that internal compass a little bit. Absolutely. And I think this is a great conversation to incite um, with your people, with you know, your clients and and your audience here, because as nutritionists, how many times does a client come to you and say, look, there's so many diets out there. How do I know which one is for me? Mm -hmm. And this also comes back to the, the, you know, point we made earlier that you have to be willing as a practitioner to do the work or to walk your talk and to be really integrative with the, the systems that you're using with your clients to know if they're going to work or not. And, and what happens when they don't? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then what? Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that probably will bring us into these other pillars in a second um, that we'll talk about. But just before we move on, um, you know, I wanted to make the point that you know the way you categorize body being, I think you said like diet, movement, supplements, um, a few of these things that I think we only focus on sometimes as a nutritionist. So you know, the fact that you have four other pillars we're going to talk about, I think is really going to bring some new insight into, you know, where are we maybe missing out on nourishing ourselves? Because I think a lot of us just fall under that body one that you mentioned. Well, and that's why I said, you know, to start, this is the one we start with, because this is the one we can most recognize. And yeah, so often, I mean, I'll say in the last five years, certainly, there's a lot more conversation around our mental emotional health. But Prior to that, you know, it's body, body, body. And it's like people think that if I exercise a certain way or if I eat a certain way or if I get my eight hours of rest or whatever, that that will help me lose weight or be healthier or, you know, do whatever it is that their goal is. And of course, it can help. But I think as practitioners, whether we are 
into the deeper aspects or not, we know there's more to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But are we giving ourselves the space to, to work on that stuff is probably the big question too. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the the perfectionism tendencies is like, we think we have to show up perfectly. And so we have to know everything, um, you know, in and out before we give it to someone or whatever it is, you know, there are so many aspects there where we want our body to look perfect. You know, a lot of practitioners also in this space will be like, well, I don't, I don't feel that I'm thin enough or I don't look healthy enough to give people advice. You know, there's so much, that's a perfectionism um, aspect from our society that comes in, but there are so many ways that that shows up. And so those are all body centered, but they're also intertwined with the brain and emotions and energy. Um, And so, you know, it, it, it's, it's looking at where is the disconnect Mm. from your body? Do you even feel connected to your body? Are you able to guide your clients in feeling more connected to their body? And, and what does that mean for you and them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not this cookie cutter thing that's going to be the same for everyone. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So can we jump into brain? I'm actually really curious about this one. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So as a pillar of nourishment, um, I speak about brain as your mental capacity, such as your thoughts, your cognition, or your focus. I think of the brain pillar as like what drives your mind, So from my nourishment perspective, the brain maybe creates limitations or anxieties stemming from those mental patterns or loops or stories that that may constantly play over in the mind. And I also see the brain as the pillar that directs your habits, you know, good or bad. So it's our, it's the way that we, that we get things done. But we also tend to really self-identify with our brains. So that may limit our ability to create change because how we may feel connected to certain identities or stories or, you know, mental patterns that we, that we have from our lifetime. Mm, Which can really affect all aspects, obviously, but even thinking about the business aspect is, you know, well, you know, last time I launched this, I wasn't able to sign a client. So you go in with the belief that that's your truth. Mm -hmm. And then even energetically, sometimes that ends up playing out again, because we still hold that original belief. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. I would. And, you know, the thing with the brain pillar is that it's also very intertwined with emotion. So we'll talk about that one next. But we also get really emotional about these identities that we have with ourselves. So that comes back to the thing I keep saying about, oh, well, this identity of how I look is not going to translate that I can help others be healthy or this identity I have with doing things perfectly um, is the only way I can show up for my clients. Mm -hmm. And really that just, it keeps us stuck. Yeah, you're really right. And you know, this is this is a, a little bit of a tangent here, but something I was talking with um, one of the members from my membership actually recently was um, this idea, and, and I'm really curious what you're going to say about this. So it's the idea that, you know, when something bad happens, or bad, meaning like we get, we don't get the number of clients, or we don't have a launch we want, or nobody signs up for our program, when something like that happens, it's because of some limiting belief we had, or it's because of, you know, you know, some block we have. And I, and I find this happening a lot, or I see this happening a lot in the coaching space where it's always, you know, the reason this didn't happen is because of you, you know, because of something that's, you know, you know, that you're blocking, Um, which I can understand to a degree, because like you're saying, I think the the brain and and the mindset and the limiting beliefs play a huge role, but I don't think they play the only role. So I don't know if you, what your thoughts are about this, but I was curious. I just wanted to bring it up because I think so many um, people in the coaching space are teaching this. And I'm just curious about your thoughts. Well, first of all, I don't think we should go into the cycle of, of victimizing or blaming ourselves from from the perspective of those mindsets, because quite frankly, Stephanie, I hate the phrase mindset. I have come to really dislike it over the last several Mm -hmm. years because a mindset is very superficial. 
a mindset comes from our previous experience. A mindset comes from an emotional reaction. A mindset comes from how tired we are in the day, quite frankly. There are so many layers to what people call a mindset. And, you know, one of the things I often say is like, you can't just like slap a mantra on something and and think that that's going to fix your issue if you don't understand what's underneath it, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you can't just fix something by saying, let's change your mindset. If you don't know why you have the mindset, Right. There's something deeper underneath it. But I just think this is going to sound harsh. I just think that people use mindset blocks as like an excuse. I don't think that that is driving a quote unquote problem or something bad happening in your business. I think it is perhaps I think on the the other hand, what is indicative of that process is that maybe you didn't look at enough data. Maybe you didn't test the thing enough. Maybe your product is amazing, but your messaging is off. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, there is some layer to what people call self-sabotage, but it's not like a mindset. It's, it's, It's the emotions behind it. It's how caught up we get in it. And this is a great way, I think, to transition into talking about emotions is because, like I said earlier, we can't just react and think that we're not a good person because we didn't have a quote unquote good launch. You know, instead, we have to look at the reality of things. We have to look at, like I was saying earlier, the clicks, the timing, the unsubscribes, the, um, you know, were, were you testing multiple Uh, subject lines, for instance, did one do better than the other? It's like, if we are going to run a business, we have to really start looking at it from a business mind, not from an emotional mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you've brought this up. And thank you. I know I kind of threw you a little curveball there asking you that question. Um, But I think so many people, again, it's like, they, something's not working. So they want to blame one area or there's, you know, like I said, coaches and other people out there saying it is this one area where I love your approach because it's like, no, it's not just like zeroing in on like one thing. It's looking at everything as a whole, like truly looking at it holistically, truly looking at it holistically. And again, with the brain pillar, one of the ways that that can be um, out of alignment is taking in too much information from outside sources. And that's one of the other things we have to really nip in the bud. And I know that you teach this in, in your programs as well is like, you have to give yourself time to recalibrate and to really tune into what is going to work for you, what is going to work for your audience. And, you know, some people might not like me saying this approach, but in my business, when I am thinking about a a project or a process or a launch, like I will sit in, in what I consider like an intuitive space and I will tune into that and make sure that I am thinking about the logic that I am thinking about, you know, how I am going to really um, use logistics, but I also really come to it from an internal and intuitive place. We have all, I would guarantee in business, done something that maybe we were advised to do by a coach or we saw someone else do it and we thought we could do it successfully as well when we had a pit in our stomach and knew, nope, that is not the thing. But we play that off because we take in that information from outside sources and consider that more expert than what our internal source says. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll often ask my clients, you know, and and I'm always kind of worried a little bit because I'm like, I don't want them to think this is like me copping out. But but I'll usually ask them like, well, what's your gut telling you? You know, Mm -hmm. because why should I be the one to tell them the right thing at the end of the day? Sure, I can mentor and give ideas and um, strategies, but it's not up to me. And I always say that, like, this is your business. There's no rules. You have to choose what's right for you. But I think so many people want to be told this is what you need to do. And then they, you know, again, a little bit harsh, but they (laughs) then they want someone to have to blame about that. Yeah, this is the this is the junk food, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's the wanting the plan yeah. instead of feeling into the plan. It's, it's, it's saying, okay, I'm going to take 
And I mean, let me just pause here and say, I have a coach and my coach helps me immensely. And I take um, support and systems and, and structures and sit with them and decide what's going to be right for me. And that shift, as you said, into self-responsibility, that is nourishment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is what you have to have to run a business. Because if you're constantly wanting to put the blame on a mindset issue you have or a trauma from your childhood, you know, believe me, I know how impactful traumas can be. We all have them as humans, no matter how big or small we, we sort of, you know, weigh them, but we can't constantly put blame on those things in our life. We have to have a sense of empowerment and be, be willing to trust ourselves at the end of the day. Mm, Yeah. Take self-responsibility, self-accountability. Yeah. And, um, wow. As you were saying that, I was like, all right, that was a good light bulb for me because I think, and and just for some context, so everybody kind of gets what I'm talking about, Brandy and I were actually in a mastermind, well, actually two, <laughs> like o- over the last four years. Um, so I think one like four years ago and then one perhaps like two-ish years ago mm-hmm. or a year and a half ago. Um, and I feel, and this is me just like being really honest, is, you know, I feel like I used to spend a lot of time looking so externally and, um searching for something that was the thing to blame. So exactly what we're talking about here. And, you know, over the last year, especially, it's been in my mantra, it's been in my head to be accountable to myself and to not make excuses. That's been something I've really been telling myself, like, don't make excuses, be accountable and and um, be true to your word. You know, what you say you're going to do, actually follow through. And because I've like had this, I guess, standard for myself, um, you know, I've really showed up in different ways in my business. And the last year, my business has been the most successful year. And I truly do think it also is because it's been um, where I've had the least amount of noise coming in. Sure, Mm -hmm. I still have a coach and I and we definitely talk strategy, but I'm not constantly pulling things in. I'm being more intentional, intentional about what I leave Um, what I bring in and what I leave out. So again, a little bit of a side note there, but that was a big moment for me to be like, wow, I didn't really think about how having that self-responsibility would really impact your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that again, leads us into the next one of, um, of emotion, the next pillar of emotion. Um, Because when we can step into our own accountability we then have a greater ability to regulate our emotions. And as business owners, it's really easy to feel emotional when something doesn't go the way that we hoped. And the way to be steadfast in a business is to know that there are going to be failures. And that doesn't make you a failure. It just means that you've got to figure out what wasn't in alignment for the people that you're trying to attract and shift it and keep going. Mm, Yes, absolutely. And like some separation, right? It's like, you are not your business. I remember you guys telling me that a lot in the, in the (laughs) mastermind we were in, because I used to tie myself so much. I'd be like, my business didn't do well. So I feel bad Mm -hmm. where, you know, um, personally, I've just been really working on cultivating me first so that I can have a successful business. But yeah, the emotional part. I think so many of us get tied up that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So should I go ahead and sort of define how I use emotion um, as a pillar of nourishment? Please. Yes. So in this perspective, the emotions are your responses to the world around you, including yourself (laughs) and including your business, of course, in this perspective. And of course, the emotions play a major role in how you relate to yourself and others in your life, but they also allow you to create connectivity and relationships. So I want to be clear that that we don't just blame emotions here either, that we don't just say emotions are all bad because they're not, they're, they're all, they're great too. So, you know, that, um, that creative drive and that connection that we, that we seek as business owners, especially, you know, that comes from emotions as well. Mm. But our emotions also include our reactions or 
even adaptations to things that we experience that um, that we might perceive as negative or that actually then might perpetuate some of those mental patterns that connect with the brain pillar. So as I mentioned earlier, the brain pillar and the emotional pillar are really intertwined and they tend to play off of one another. Your emotions, however, are really reactive to all of your tri- all of your pillars though as well. So imagine that you're not feeling well in your body, you know, that's going to give you an emotion that, that then, you know, plays out in the, into the rest of your life as well. So like if you're in physical pain, that's going to bring emotions with it. If you're feeling really depleted in your energy, which is the next pillar, that's going to bring up emotions. And even towards the the information that you get from your intuition, right? So you said you might ask a client, well, what does your gut say? Well, what their gut says might not be what they want to hear. And so they might have negative emotions that come up like, well, I don't want to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Even though their intuition is sharing that that's maybe what they should do. Yeah, that's so true. Or maybe we're not really used to listening to our gut. So we don't trust it. And then we're like, you know, uh, I think more willing to abandon ourselves a lot easier that way. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if we go in order of how I name the pillars, body, brain, emotions, energy, intuition, the body is the one we use first because it's the one we are most um, familiar with. But the intuition is the last. That's the one we are least familiar with or least comfortable with. It's unseen. You know, how do we name it unless you have the experience? So that's absolutely true. And, And one of the hardest parts to being in complete nourishment with yourself is the, the ability to trust your, your intuition. So like your intuition will always know what's right for you, but if you're not used to listening, then, you know, you're not going to listen. And if you're more used to having outside information come in, then that's what you're going to lean towards. Mm, Yes. And I think, you know, that, as an entrepreneur, we kind of go through that roller coaster, at least me personally, of like, you know, um, thinking I need to be so external and then going a bit internal and then wondering if that's the right decision. Like, it's such a roller coaster, but I think the more years we're in this, the more you cultivate that like inner knowing, or perhaps, you know, listening to something, somebody like you sharing this early on in entrepreneurship is going to actually help you make that connection way quicker than maybe I did myself. Totally. I would love to share with you too some of the ways that emotion pillar shows up as out of alignment because I think it really relates to what you just said. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So one of the things is that you're doing you're doing what you think you should, or you're doing things because you're supposed to. So think about that as an early entrepreneur, right? How many things do we think we should do or we're supposed to do? Let me just use one example. Some people might think that they absolutely should use Instagram as their primary form of marketing, or that's what they're supposed to do at this day and age. But what if that doesn't feel aligned for you at all? What if you are you know, more small community oriented and you want to have more intimate connections and you want to do face-to-face when the world opens up again, or, you know, just do emails or whatever. Like if you are going into what you think you should do, or you're supposed to do, then your, your emotion pillar is out of alignment there. Mm. Another really big one with business is you're not speaking up or doing what you know is right because you fear the judgment that might come from it. Yeah. I think that's a big one as well. (laughs) Absolutely. I would say that's one of the, well, those two are like, absolutely indicative of, of the emotion pillar, not being, um, not being fully aligned, not being really, uh, cultivated or, or worked with, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess then the big takeaway here is like listening to that inner knowing that gut feeling, you know, sitting with yourself, not just like, um, jumping to something because some outside source tells you to do it that way. Yeah. Another one of the, the ways it's out of alignment is if you're comparing your progress to someone else too, And so this is huge as a new business owner, you might be comparing your progress to, I don't know, the first person I thought of was Chris Carr, someone who's literally been working in nutrition for 20 plus years. You know, she has multiple books. She has, she's been on Oprah multiple times. Like we often as a new business owner will look at someone who we have kind of admired or that stands out in the industry and think like, oh, well, I've only been familiar with Chris Carr for the last couple of years. So, you know, maybe 
I could do what she's doing in a, in a couple of years time when we have to really look back and say, okay, she's been doing this for 25 years and here I am new. And I don't want to, you know, put myself in the position of, of my expectations being too high because what happens with the emotion pillar being out of alignment here um, is that we often end up feeling guilt or shame about, about our experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. And then, yeah. And, and then that can um, be like a wave over, you know, like we can't see things clearly because we're so deep in the emotion of it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Hey there. I hope you're getting so much value from this episode. So I wanted to take a quick pause to tell you about the Next Level Nutrition Biz Collective and share a special offer just for podcast listeners like you. If you're trying to get momentum with your nutrition business or need some support figuring out your next steps or brainstorming ideas, this monthly membership is for you. Inside, you'll get monthly in-depth marketing, sales, and business trainings and Q&A sessions to help you grow your nutrition business, as well as a supportive community where you can ask questions and exchange ideas. If you want to learn more or join us in the Next Level Nutrition Biz Collective, head on over to www.stephanielong.ca slash membership and be sure to use the code podcast in the checkout to get your first month for only $7. See you inside. So can we move on to energy? Because I'm also curious about how uh, this one, we can nourish ourselves in this way. Maybe we're missing some ways of, of that energy nourishment. So imagine if you are constantly being caught up in the shoulds or supposed to, or fear of judgment or, you know, comparing yourself, you can imagine that that would feel draining, right? Mm -hmm. So that is exactly how the pillar of energy works. In, in, in the nourishment perspective, energy is your reservoir. Mm -hmm. It's measured by what comes in to your system that is really nourishing and what goes out that may be depleting you. So we don't often realize that our emotions or our brain might actually be depleting our energy. We think of our body being overexerted as depleting, but the brain and the, and the emotions are really connected here too. Yeah. I love that idea of the reservoir too. It's such, it just feels so like Oh, like it's something I can get behind. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So energy I, I consider is really like the baseline of your nourishment. And again, it's a culmination of all the pillars. So you'll feel the lever, level of energy through your body. Like, you know, in your body, when you feel low energy, um, you probably know in your brain what it feels like when you're low energy, you might be able to pinpoint when you have low energy, how your emotions are maybe more heightened or you maybe feel more sensitive. And then the same is true with our intuition. You know, if we're constantly blocking our intuition, that's going to be draining to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that for sure. So it's like um, our energy will be at the highest level or like, again, I, I just keep thinking of like a lake. Yeah. Um, so like, it will be like that glistening, beautiful, like warm, full lake when we're dipping into and, and putting attention in these other areas. That's exactly it. Yeah. And so all of those play into how you hold your energy or into that reservoir. And they also alert you when a shift is needed. Okay. So you know what it feels like in your body when your energy is low. And so what might you then do? Well, your body is signaling to you, I need more sleep, or I need you to go on a walk, or your brain is signaling to you, you got to step away from the computer right now, right? Mm -hmm. So the other pillars um, tell us when our energy is depleted, but we have to be able to listen to those things. Yes. Okay. okay. So that's how you can see that the energy is connected with all of the other ones. Yeah. But do you, do you hear often or do you find that like a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, we're always trying to find those like energy hacks, like how can we like <laughs> have our energy? And is it like the fact that we don't really need to do that? It's just that we're not putting enough, enough attention elsewhere as well. Yeah. Uh, a way to hack your energy is find what's nourishing for you mm. in all of the pillars. Yeah. Which is going to look different than, <laughs> 
influencer A on Instagram or the <laughs> other person you follow on TikTok. Like, I think we we want the answer so often and we forget that the answer is within us. We want the external source. We want the template. We, you know, we want the structures, tools, and plans. We want the hack. Hmm. There's not a hack. Yeah. Like a bulletproof coffee is not going to give you what nine hours of sleep is going to give you. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we want it still, right? <laughs> but we want I mean, it. <laughs> I'm not saying that that's right, but I think it's like, especially in the wellness space, I think, um, and it's funny, Craig, my partner, for those of you who don't know Craig, who Craig is, he mentioned this yesterday. Um, and I challenged him a bit on this because I was like, hmm, be careful the way you're saying this. But he's, we were talking about, um, I, I was telling him a few stories and he's like, hmm, something I'm really realizing, like a lot of you know, people in the wellness space that you're friends with, they're constantly looking for that answer or that key. They're constantly like searching for that thing that's going to, you know, make their life better. And I thought it was an interesting observation. He did say the women. So I was like, careful, like, you know, um, and I, and I also said that could also be because we're conditioned as women to, you know, um, you know, play a little bit like more subservient and, and to not really, you know, um, look at our energy. It's more of like, you know, showing up and supporting our partner and so on. Obviously this is like a whole different other topic we don't need to get into. Um, (laughs) but I think he made a really good observation that this is something that we do often, especially I, I do think as women or people in the wellness industry is like, we're constantly looking for that, that answer. Yeah, I mean, it's a great transition into what the, it looks like when your energy pillar, pillar is out of alignment, because the first one that I always talk about is you're constantly pushing or striving for something bigger or what's next. Mm-hmm. And then the second one that plays into what you meant as our role as a wimp in our roles as women as well is you often do what others want instead of what you want. Yes, I think that's a better way to explain what I was trying to say is we're not used to putting ourselves first a lot of the time. So we're just like, you know, how can I like, again, looking externally without just like showing up for ourselves first. Yeah. And so the thing that really happens here that I see is that then you have trouble upholding or creating boundaries in relationships because you're constantly overgiving. You're constantly used to fulfilling the roles that other people have come to expect of you, whether it's wife, mother, you know, sister, daughter, whether it's coach, business owner, whatever it is, it's, you're, you're constantly trying to uphold those external expectations. And what's often missing is the downtime to focus on yourself and actually recover your own energy. Mm. Man, this is like a life lesson episode. That's all I have to say. Is I'm like, you know, we're running, you know, a little bit longer than some episodes because I think that this is just, it's not just about business we're talking about. It's everything. And it, and it shows up, you know, in our life. It shows up in our business. It shows up in our health. And it affects our relationships. Like, I think you um, really pressed on a pain point for a lot of people there where, you know, when they are so focused on business, then they might not be spending time with their family anymore, or they might be out of alignment with their partner. And, you know, it's like, as again, maybe it's a generalization, but I think, you know, as women, we're constantly trying to show up for everybody but ourselves. Absolutely. And that is a social construct. We can't deny that, you know, it, it is, it is true. Um, and while, many of us are making strides to change that it's, it's still the consensus reality, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then to kind of finish it off and bring it full circle, um, let's talk a bit about intuition. Absolutely. So the intuition as a pillar of nourishment is whatever you call the sourced energy within you that always knows the way. So some people may refer to this as your inner wisdom, as your heart, your soul, your gut feelings, your connection to the universe, whatever is your deepest truth. That is that source that moves through us and that gives us information. And, you know, with that said, your intuition is always sending you messages that you feel in your own special way. So I can't say what that will be for you 
it's likely that it's similar to your energy, that it will show up in all of the other pillars, um, you know, that you might feel it in your body. For instance, me personally, I will often feel my intuition as a certain sort of flutter in my body. But then I also have just what I guess I could call a connection emotionally, where I just get this inner knowing that it's like, it's like a real neutrality with my emotion. Hmm. So those are two examples, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be different for everyone. But the thing is, we aren't used to identifying with this. It's, you know, this is not a this is not a course that we take. We don't know how to identify our intuition and we don't know how this place necessarily is speaking to us unless we seek it out. And so when you hear from your intuition, it can be hard at times, like we talked about earlier. Um, and, and something that can also be hard that I think people, people sort of lean to is like they, they want it to be on demand you know what I mean by that? Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have this conversation with my intuition and I want it to show up right now. <laughs> and because the intuition doesn't work that way, you probably won't trust it. And then that's why you'll go continue searching for outside sources instead. Yeah. So the foundational component to really creating this, this nourishment that we've been talking about is learning how to discern these messages. It's learning how your intuition speaks to you. And I, I mentioned earlier that it's very important, yet it's the one that we are least connected to. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for how somebody could even like um, like flex that muscle daily by getting in touch with their intuition or, or listening? You know, I have a proprietary system that I use with all of my clients called the daily centering practice. And it's a, it's a, it's a specific sort of journaling way to walk through the, the, the different pillars and it helps you really connect to your intuition by reflecting on the others as well, because I think they're so intertwined. I think it's hard to just say, Hey, this is how you connect with your intuition Mm -hmm. without noticing the connection points. But for some people, um, meditation can be a really nice place for this. Um, you know, Meditation has its own connotations. We can't just sit down and expect our mind to totally, totally turn off. But I think just um, inviting your intuition into a conversation when you're in a space that feels more empty. So whether that's you sitting on your sofa, quote unquote, meditating, whether that's you on a walk in nature, um, whether that's when you're cooking, you know, whatever feels sort of meditative and 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 spacious for you, just inviting your intuition into conversation. And that might sound silly to some people, but believe me, we have to, as you said, build that muscle and we have to um, initiate this, this conversation, this relationship with our intuition in order to have it grow, just like any other relationship. You know, we can't just um, show up on a first date and and say like, oh, perfect. Like I'm going to marry this person and be with them for the rest of our, our life. The end, you know, um, it doesn't work that way. You have to build the relationship and there are a number of different ways that are totally personal to you that you might choose to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my number one tip is just initiate and cultivate the relationship. Yeah. I love that. And I think leaving space for it to happen. I mean, I'm so guilty of this. And and unless I'm intentional about not filling my, let's even say outdoor time, like when I'm Mm -hmm. on a walk or when I'm in nature, you know, I'll usually just pop on a podcast. And I think that dampens the voice a lot of the time. It dampens that time for those things to come up. So I know that's something I need to work on in myself. And, and, you know, thanks for that reminder is those are those moments, you know, I go for the walk or I go into nature to connect, but then right. I think I need to be productive. So I think for you know a lot of us having that space and, and knowing that it's okay, it's, it's needed, it's necessary. 
And remember, when you're in that position of feeling like I need to be productive, that comes into your brain pillar. And so in that moment, you can be like, oh, here's the brain pillar trying to do more work than it needs to do. <laughs> How can I balance that out with the others? Yes. Yeah. And you you and I are very similar in the way that we connect with nature and that it's really a priority for us. And I've got to say, a long time ago, I made a, a commitment to myself that when I go in nature, that's it. I don't... I won't be on the phone. Like I see people walking in my neighborhood, like talking on the phone while they're on a walk. And like, that's something I could never do. I wouldn't talk on the phone. I wouldn't listen to a podcast. I wouldn't listen to music. For me, that is my downtime. And that's not to say that that's what someone else needs. But I mention it because nature is literally our most connective source on the planet. You know, when we can just be grounded in the space and connected to the world around us, we start picking up smaller details. And, and when that happens, you're able to pick up smaller details on your inner world as well. Yes. And it's a good practice for us to not do a million things at once <laughs> and just focus on, you know, the task at hand, like just be in the moment, which I can only speak from experience of being, you know, my own entrepreneur, but I know for me that can be hard. I'm like so hardwired to multitask, but that is not always what I need. I need a lot of non-multitasking tasks, you know, just one simple thing to help my nervous system come down. Absolutely. And there's something here in my notes that I'm going to read because I think it's so poignant to what you've just said. You know, what often happens is that when we are productivity driven, which as entrepreneurs, we basically have to be, everything feels like another to do on our already long list, right? And so taking care of us just feels like another to do if it's not really nourishing for us. And the only way to create real change and not, you know, get stuck in any number of ways that we feel stuck is to really... Um, embrace that nourishment doesn't have to be rigid. It doesn't have to be perfect. It really needs to be fun and, and functional and just bottom line, it needs to feel good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which comes down to exactly what you've been saying this whole, whole time. It's, um, well, I'm going to quote, uh, do you know yoga with Adrian? Do you know who that is? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, oh, she has like a popular YouTube channel, yeah, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. Her, her like whole mantra is find what feels good. And, yeah. you know, she's always just talking about like whatever feels good for you in this pose, like get out of the pose if it doesn't feel good, go deeper in if it deeper in it if it does. Like it's all about us. But I think again, what you're really kind of showing us here or what we can reflect on is a lot of us are living so externally and it's about coming home. Yes. And I mean, I love that you use that example of, of Yoga by Adrian because my first um, venture when I started my own business was as a therapeutic yoga instructor. And people thought I was crazy for telling them to do what felt good for them because that was at a time where everything was power yoga and no one was like listening to themselves. They were just doing 25 chaturangas with a blown out <laughs> shoulder, you know? <laughs> and so that was really my entry point into find what feels good for you. Um, I went to a yoga class once and I pulled out like, I, I brought myself like six, what are they called? Like the accessories, like bolsters and mm -hmm. blocks and uh, all the things. And one of the people in class was like, why did you get all that stuff? And I was like, so I can make this practice feel good for me because yeah. I know what I need. And I mean, just a small tangent story, but that woman ended up going and studying therapeutic yoga because of me and because of that experience and now teaches like do what feels good. So I say that because it's so impactful. It is the most simple statement and it's so impactful. And the the issue that we've really discussed here that when the when the pillars get out of balance is that you may not know what actually feels good for you right now. And so you may be further avoiding it because you don't really know what to expect. You don't really know where to take that. Mm -hmm. So get quiet, ask yourself what you need, try a few simple things out. I think go back to, like you said, those five um, nourishment frameworks or pillars, you know, like kind of even ask yourself the question, is this a body 
an area of my body I need to focus on? What about brain? What about energy? Like, would that make Mm -hmm. the most sense for people to get started? Yeah, I think that's a really good place to start. You know, I I also have a download on my website that's free that people can get that's really the the first um, entry point into sort of learning more about yourself and this nourishment perspective that I highly encourage your people to go find because it's it's about my whole coaching perspective is about getting curious and, and asking yourself questions and, and learning more about yourself in the process. Because just like you do with your clients, I invite my clients to, you know, learn what, what they need. And of course I support them along the way or give suggestions or whatever, but it's ultimately about, as we said, what feels good for them. And so having that curiosity with yourself is really the place to start. So it, you know, if, if um, your audience wants to go over to my website, brandymckenzie.com, they can find um, that download there. Yeah. And I think just so you, everybody knows, is it the download uh, when you know what to do, but you're still not doing it Four questions to discover the real reason you're stuck. Absolutely. Okay. So um you start asking yourself those questions and that helps you discern what areas you may be stuck in. And then there's, there's, I have another free, free offer of a mini retreat where we actually go into the pillars with more, um, with more depth and you, you actually find what I call your nourishment type as well. So there are really two free things that they can do if they want to learn more about what's really going to be nourishing for them. Oh, amazing. So that can be all found at brandymckenzie.com. Yes. Okay. I'll make sure to put it in the show notes too. If you guys want to head over there and click the links to get um, either freebie. Um, and I guess we'll leave it there that, I mean, there, the fact that you have another resource that goes deeper into this, I think is brilliant. Cause this was already such a good, um, I would say, you know, we went deep on some of the subjects, but there's always more work to be done. So um, thank you so much for sharing your time and for sharing your expertise here and teaching us more about nourishment. Um, I had so many takeaways and I'm sure everyone listening did as well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, I just I just want to finish by saying finding your path to nourishment is as complex and unique as you are. And I think it's important to always remember that that you have to have that personalization and that customization um, throughout your process. And it makes our, our lives better and more joyful, more enjoyable. And it also makes us better coaches as well. Mm, yes, very true. It's a journey. <laughs> it's a process, right? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Brandy. I really appreciate you coming on and I'm sure we'll have you again. I feel like there's just so much there we can dig into, uh, but this was a fantastic place to start for everyone. So thanks so much. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend, or take us on social media. Catch you next time.